What happens to the Chicago Cubs if Cody Bellinger signs with this team? And is there a world where this is actually a bad idea? Let's take a look at a few scenarios. Hey, welcome in. If this is your first time on the channel, this is The Setup Man. We are a YouTube channel and podcast, and my name is Kyle Stanley. I'm covering everything Chicago Cubs baseball. Make sure you subscribe and comment down below if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on the podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe and review us there. And today, once again, I do want to talk about Cody Bellinger and if he is going to land with the Cubs, which it seems like it's the perfect fit at this point, what are some scenarios that can happen both good and bad? Going back to when this offseason started, it didn't seem like a Cody Bellinger reunion was really likely, especially given that the Giants and the Blue Jays were ready to spend some money. But then the Giants went and overpaid for Jung-Hoo Lee, the Blue Jays went out and re-signed Kevin Kiermeyer, and then the next day they signed Isaiah Kiner-Falafa. By the way, every time I hear that name, I think of Greek food. Could both of these teams still be in on Bellinger? Well, it's possible, but really not likely. So... That really just leaves the Cubs, at least once again publicly. Now, I'm not going to predict if the Cubs are going to sign Bellinger or not. That's not the point of this video. But I do want to review a few options and potential domino moves that could happen if the Cubs do sign him or do not sign him. First, let's assume the Cubs do not sign Cody Bellinger. This means really one of two things. The Cubs' number one prospect, Pete Crow Armstrong, starts on the Cubs' opening day roster in center field and is given the chance to prove himself. Now, if that is the case, one of the dominoes that could happen is that they get a Harrison Bader type of platoon on days that a lefty's on the mound just to be able to give Armstrong the confidence that he goes out there to not have to face a funky lefty. While there is tons of upside on PCA, there's still a lot that he has to work on. He has tremendous speed, but not the best decision-making skills on the bases, and he comes with a ton of swing and miss. In 438 at-bats, 500 plate appearances between AA and AAA in 2023, Armstrong struck out 26% of his plate appearances, and in just 14 at-bats in September with the Cubs, he struck out half of those ABs. And if they don't get Bader or someone like him, a righty in the outfield, I think we could see Mike Talkman fill in for him or even start in center for the first four to six weeks of the season. Talkman was a good addition last year. There's no reason to believe that he can't carry that into 2024. Either way, if Bellinger is not signed, it's pretty obvious it's going to be PCA's time to shine. Now, Alexander Canario has been discussed as a platoon option as well, but I personally like the combination of a veteran and rookie platoon, which is why I think Canario will probably be more likely to spend time as a DH and platoon with guys like Morrell and Wisdom at that spot, assuming they're both still on the team when the club heads to Texas to start the season. The next potential domino that could fall if the Cubs do not sign Bellinger, I'm almost certain they will land Reese Hoskins. Even if they do sign Bellinger, PCA could still be the opening day center fielder, and then that puts Bellinger at first base. So if they don't sign him, it's highly unlikely that the front office is going to be okay with an uncertain rookie at both center field and first base. Yes, I'm talking about Matt Mervis, which I'm fine with giving him another shot, but I just don't see the front office being okay with two unproven rookies in two major spots on the field, especially after seeing Mervis on such a short leash in 2023, getting under 100 plate appearances. And although we thought Christopher Morrell might get some reps at first base in the Winter League, that didn't happen. And I seriously doubt that they would be okay with Patrick Wisdom as their opening day first baseman, so the only viable option is really Reese Hoskins. The Cubs have been so 
closely linked to Hoskins the entire offseason. And given the fact that no other teams are really publicly linked to Hoskins or Bellinger, I would have to imagine that Jed is close in talks with Scott Boris about making sure that he keeps the first baseman available in case they can't come to an agreement with Cody Bellinger. Does Jed have that kind of pull with Boris? I highly doubt it. But why else would a guy who's coming off of an ACL injury and primed for a one-year prove-it contract not already be on this team? Because if they sign Bellinger, he's not needed. At the end of the day, Boris really is one of the main factors of this slow season with such a limited pool of position players and Boris holding the key to arguably the top three bats on the market in Bellinger, Hoskins, and Matt Chapman. I would imagine that he's going to keep on playing chicken with the Cubs on Bellinger until one side crumbles. But you know Jed Hoyer is firm on what he's willing to do. I know it's frustrating as a Cubs fan to see them do nothing, but from an outsider's perspective, the Cubs are really in the driver's seat. Let me explain. The market is not as hot for Bellinger as Boris probably thought. Many teams are really still unsure if his bounce back season was the real deal because of the metrics, and the Cubs have a ton of outfield talent coming up, so if they don't get Bellinger, it's really not the end of the world in the long run. Maybe for 2024, it sucks, but not for the long run. I know it sounds kind of crazy, setup nation, but we have to also weigh the risk that Cody Bellinger brings. Yeah, that's right. There's some risk, which leads me to my next point. What if Bellinger ends up on this team? If they re-sign him, let's call it $185 million for seven years. There are some negatives to this. First of all, it's the most expensive contract that the Cubs have ever signed, and it's given to a guy who is anything less than a sure thing. Playing devil's advocate right now, what if Bellinger plays like the 2020 to 2022 left-handed bat that struggled mightily for that entire contract? Look at these numbers. He went from MVP to bottom of the basement in the majors for OPS and many other categories. Now, this was almost certainly because of two reasons. 2020 was just weird for most, and a lot of the stars did not perform well during COVID. And in the World Series in the 20 season, Bellinger did dislocate his shoulder after celebrating a home run, and he admitted that he really didn't recover from that, and it was majorly impacting his strength in 2021 and 2022. In fact, in a conversation with the marquee team in 23, Bellinger said that he had put on about 15 pounds of muscle, which had allowed him to make decisions on pitches as they got deeper in the zone rather than committing to them as soon as they came out of the pitcher's hand. He was basically forced to make quick decisions in 21 and 22 because he had lost so much strength in his upper body. He attributed so much of this to his regained success in 2023. So as long as he's healthy, it's not likely that he's going to sign a contract and be completely dead weight but there still is a real chance. And it is important to note that in a 25-game stretch in 2023, Bellinger did look like that same deadweight player. Granted, 12 of those games were right after coming off of that bruised ankle that sidelined him for a month. I, I have to admit that, but still... 25 games in a row with no home runs, a 237 batting average, a higher strikeout rate, a 585 OPS. That just kind of gives me 2021 and 2022 chills. The other potential negative domino is the logjam it creates in either the outfield or first base. Honestly, this is a good problem to have, but it's still a problem. If the Cubs believe first base is his best position, 
Where does that leave Matt Mervis? Mervis had a breakout season in 2022, hitting over 30 home runs in the minor leagues and sprinting from single A up to triple A, but was only given 99 plate appearances with the big league club in 23. He has absolutely star power and could be a starter on probably one third of major league teams, but does that mean the Cubs would need to ship him off or would they actually keep him? If they keep him, he probably is destined for spot starts at first base and or a revolving DH spot or potentially another season of tons of AAA time. Either of those don't really give him an opportunity to develop. But if the Cubs believe that first base isn't his most valuable position, then they have to ship off some of the outfield talent. Kevin Alcantara, Owen Casey, Alexander Canario, PCA, Ian Happ. Seiya Suzuki. The writing is truly on the wall for this outfield. Someone is going to be shipped out in 2024. I know it. I can feel it. And my best guess is Owen Casey. I think this happens, honestly, even if the Cubs don't get Bellinger. This team already has a ton of swing and miss with PCA and Morrell. And I think the front office is higher on those two guys than Casey. I just can't see three big swing and miss bats like that in one lineup. Casey struck out in an astounding 31% of his at-bats in just double A. And while he does slug over 500 and hits a home run every 20 at-bats, that just doesn't make up for the strikeout rate. He has a ton of potential, and if he cuts down on that strikeout rate, I can see him becoming an all-star. But the Cubs have a few guys in Canario, Alcantara, and Armstrong who are either close to making an immediate impact on the roster in 2024 or in Alcantara's case, come with a lot more athleticism. Now, in this scenario, the downside of the Cubs re-signing Bellinger is that it likely gives them a reason to trade Casey away right now rather than waiting until the 2024-25 offseason. If Casey takes off with another organization, I could see him being a middle-of-the-lineup guy making an impact on likely a non-contending team by the summer of 2024. That's a big if... But the Cubs have been known to make trades and see their young talent start to thrive with other clubs, i.e. Eloy Jimenez and Josh Donaldson. Yes, Cubs fans, in case you didn't remember, Josh Donaldson was in the Cubs system, traded in the Rich Harden deal in 2007. But hey, I see way more positives of keeping Bellager around and it these are really easy, so let's just go through them. I've got about five here. The left-handed power bat that has been missing for a few years now is back and signed to a long-term deal. Anthony Rizzo and Kyle Schwarber, although it really wasn't that long ago that they were on the team, were really the last left-handed bat threats until Bellinger found his groove here in the last year in 23. Number two, he gives you the flexibility in case an outfielder goes down. If Happ or Suzuki get hurt, slide Bellinger into the outfield and put Mervis or Wisdom or Morrell at first base. If PCA doesn't perform as expected, you can slot Bellinger into center and give the youngster some time to develop in AAA. After all, he did only play 34 games for Iowa. Number three, his speed and power are a very unique combination. I can't understate this. Bellinger was one of only 13 players to have at least 25 home runs and 20 stolen bases last season. And he did it in the least amount of games played with 130. With a fully healthy season under his belt, there's no reason to doubt that he could flirt with a 30-30 campaign. A feat only four players were able to make all of last year. Number four, he's the team leader. When David Ross was asked who the team leader was this last year, he didn't even have to hesitate. And while a lot of us 
kind of assumed it was Dansby Swanson, Bellinger seemed to be the true clubhouse glue. That type of intangible may be the biggest piece that most people are not talking about in Bellinger's game. And lastly, if he continues to put up these numbers, he will almost certainly be a fan favorite for years and years to come. My wife and I were actually able to go to the Cubs series in LA this last year. In that first game, Bellinger got a standing ovation before the game in his first plate appearance and actually because of it got an automatic strike called and was then razzled by the fans for the entire series. Despite the horrible 2021 and 2022 seasons, the fans had a huge soft spot for Bellinger. Those are the types of players that don't come around often, Cubs fans. Rizzo was that for the Cubs. Ryan Sandberg, Kerry Wood, Ernie Banks, Andre Dawson, Mark Grace, Sammy Sosa. You can probably count all of the true, true fan favorites in the last 50-ish years on two hands. I forgot to even mention Ron Santo. I'm, I'm telling you, we're not talking about guys that just shine for a couple years like Javi Baez. I'm talking about the true legacy fan favorites. Bellinger has the opportunity, if he plays for the next six years, like he did in 2023, to be one of those guys that you can count on two hands. So with all of that, why hasn't Chicago re-signed him yet? Well, I talk about that and a few other reasons why the Cubs offseason has been so slow in this video that just popped up for you. Check it out. In the meantime, what do you think is the most likely scenario? Of all these things that we talked about, where do you think Cody Bellinger ends up and how does it impact the Cubs? Make sure you subscribe and comment down below with what you think. I want to engage with you. I want to talk about this in the comments. But for now, Setup Nation, I'm going to go put my arm on ice. We'll see you next time.